It's Spirit-Filled Summer. Thanks for joining us. This is Jerry Webb. I'm so thankful for you and you and your investment of time to listen to this message. I hope it will help you. We could all use a little more peace in our lives. Uh, just driving down the road reminds us how angry people are. Uh, let's see if we can find some ways to be more peace-filled. God bless you as you listen this week. Let me read three passages of Scripture for you this morning. First one is Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. This is the passage that uh, we, we are basing our summer's teaching upon, and I'm reading it from the Passion Translation. Uh, you can follow along with this one on the screen. The others, just listen as I read them. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit, the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you, is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. And Romans 8, verse 6. The mind governed by the spirit, or by the flesh, is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And one more from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Thank you, Lord, for your word. So how's your personal peace rating today? How are you doing? Uh, as I was preparing for this morning, I, I ran across uh, a, a, the work of a, a postgraduate student from the University of Santa Monica. And the student, unnamed, put together what is called the Inner Peace Daily Rating Scale. It's divided into three sections. The first one is Red Flag Country. Uh, Red Flag Country is uh, rated one, two, or three, depending on uh, where you are. Uh, number one is red rage, screaming, shouting, threatening, violent. Sounds like driving down the street, doesn't it? <laughs> or then you might Maybe you're not quite there, but you're still in that red flag country of, of shouting angry and harsh voice. Or, or maybe uh, you're at the, the upper level of red flag country headed toward a better place, which is covert remarks in angry tones. If you want to make some progress, if you feel like maybe you're spending a little bit too much time in red flag country, uh, let's, let's move into neutral territory and you, you change those covert remarks instead of angry tones. Now it's uh, sarcastic ones. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that's much of an improvement, but it moves you up the scale. Uh, rather than reacting, I hold my tongue would be another or appropriate neutral responses more often. But where we really want to be is in the peace zone. 
uh, a rating of seven, eight, or nine. Seven is you're speaking in, in a gentle tone of voice. You have an appropriate expression on your face. There's no judgments, only compassion. Or, or to move up to an eight, there's a positive acknowledgement expressed in caring tones and language. Or if you want to make the pinnacle of the peace zone, it's communicating with loving kindness. Expressing positively, verbally, or non-verbally, it's heart-centered peace and grace. So, I know that's brief, but what's your personal peace rating today? You closer to that red flag country, or are you in the peace zone? Think about your relationships for a moment, your responsibilities, your anxiety level, the emotions of your heart. If you were to rate the level of peace in your life today from a one to a nine, what would it be? We live in a world that is in serious need of an infusion of peace. And while I appreciate this graduate student's work, there's a huge missing component. Something's not there. There's no reflection of the possibility of peace that comes from the presence of God in our life. It, it, this peace comes to us. It happens best as people are infused with the peace of God one heart at a time. Now, I'm not surprised that a doctoral student wouldn't have gods in, in the equation. That's... They were in a public university and thinking in those ways. But you and I know that if we really want to have peace, real peace, you, you can't leave out the component of God and, and what he does in our hearts to change us, remold us, remake us. J. Oswald Sanders, the Toronto pastor from days gone by, said, Peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. Isn't that true? That's true. Well, here's a definition, at least for us today, of, of the kind of peace we're talking about. It's a quietness and confidence from God. Emphasis from God. Through a right relationship with Him. In other words, we found his righteousness in our life. It's an antidote of fear and guilt and resentment and distress and interpersonal differences. You see, peace is first of all about our relationship with God. If you were to continue reading on down in that fifth chapter of Galatians, you would come to verse 24 and it says, those who belong to Christ those who belong to Christ can begin to experience and to express the kinds of things that Paul wrote to the Galatian church about. And so peace with God is the primary benefit of being made right with him. You, you all know the verse, Romans 5, verse 1. You all know it. 
You, you might not be able to tell at a moment's notice exactly where it is in the Bible, but you know the verse. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this is a peace that comes in our heart. A sense of well-being resulting from forgiveness and being made right with God. The peace God offers is not, first of all, an absence of outer conflict. It's a settled awareness that we belong to Him. We are right with Him. And because of that, we have all the resources of His power available to us in addressing peace in our life. In addressing the peace-takers that come to us. Probably more people have found Christ in the last 50 to 75 years using this little booklet that Billy Graham put together than any other. It's titled Steps to Peace with God. It's, it's Graham's a simple way of, of showing us how we come to Christ. And I thought I'd just share it from you. Most of you have seen this. But he, he offers four steps. The first one is God's purpose. And he says God's purpose for all of us is peace and life. Peace and life. God wants us to experience peace and life. So why don't most people have this peace? Why don't they experience it? Why, why don't people have the kind of life that God intends for us? Well, it's because in our natural state, we're separated from him. God created us in his image in the garden. And as we all know, there was in that garden a fall from grace a fall from God's presence, and sin entered the world, and it impacts all of us. And the first thing that it impacted was our relationship with God. You remember how Adam and Eve tried to hide from God in the garden? In the words of that passage from Genesis, talks about the imagery of God walking through the garden, in effect saying, Adam and Eve, where are you? when we know that he knew exactly where they were. He was calling attention to them to understand that they couldn't hide from him. Even in their guilt and their shame, they couldn't hide from him. But what they were experiencing was the separation that came because they disobeyed. We've all experienced that separation because we've all disobeyed. We've all turned our back on God and we find that that separation leaves us far from him. But in that separation, then we recognize our need of him. And so we attempt to reach out to him. We, we try to close that gap, that distance, that separation, that gulf that divides us. And so we do it through good works. We do it through religion, through philosophy, through morality. But sinful people can't reach a holy God. No bridge 
will close that gap except one. None. That one is the cross. The cross. The cross of Christ. I haven't done an inventory, but I imagine that there's a few crosses being worn in this room today. Maybe not, but usually many people wear a cross. It's a symbol that says, I'm no longer separated from God. I've come to him because the cross of Jesus Christ closed that gap. It separated that distance. And now the peace of God comes to us and, and we're no longer at war with him. We're no longer experiencing the guilt and shame of our disobedience to him because we found forgiveness in his name. You see, God provided a way to close that separation, but each person has to make a choice. We all make a choice of whether we will continue to live our own way or whether we will move closer to Christ. Step four, Billy Graham talks about in this little book is our response. Our response that we choose to accept Christ. And when we accept him, we find his peace. We find his peace. And that peace comes to us in a moment as he forgives us of our sin, but that peace also comes to us through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives to give us peace with him. So the beginning place of spirit-filled peace is to come to Jesus and make him your savior. And if today you're sensing a separation from God, there's not the kind of peace that you think God really wants you fully to have, then maybe it's the acknowledgement of your own heart to say, I need God. And the only way I can find the peace that he wants to give me is to cross that bridge, the price that Jesus paid by giving his own life, dying on the cross, breaking the power of sin and death through his wonderful resurrection, and finding peace with God because I accept him by faith. It was Francis Fenelon who said, peace does not dwell in outward things. That's why I said there's a big missing component in all of that inventory that the graduate student created. Because those are all about outward things. But peace doesn't dwell there in those outward things. But peace does dwell within the soul. We may persevere, Fenelon said, in the midst of bitterest pain, if our will remains firm and submissive. You see, peace is God's character becoming our character. His character becoming ours. It's the peace that comes as Jesus reminds us in John chapter 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Oh my, do we need that reminder today. So I spoke earlier that our world needs an infusion of peace. Well, there's 
the crux of it. We don't need the peace that the world gives. Well, we do, but it isn't going to solve the problem. It's the peace that God gives. It's the peace that comes, that allows us to live without trouble, without fear. So I want to share with you today, uh, briefly, uh, four practices of spirit-filled peace. They're in my favorite chapter of the Bible, my favorite part of my favorite chapter of the Bible, Philippians chapter 4. If you've got your Bible this morning, read it with me. It's verses 4 through 9. And you find here four practices of spirit-filled peace. Actually, I'm going to change it to five because I just realized I missed one. I missed the first one. I don't know how, but I did. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So here they are, five practices. You probably picked them out. First one, the one I missed in my little outline, and you know, how I missed this, I don't know. <laughs> but it says, rejoice in the Lord. If we wanna live at peace in this troubled world, then we have to remember where our source is. And we have to offer our joyful response to the Lord. It's to begin our day, thank you, Lord. You've given me another day. It's to end our day, thank you, Lord, for the wonderful day you've given me. It's in the midst of the day to say, thank you, Lord, that you're with me, that you're helping me. It's that we rejoice all of the time in the Lord because of what he has done. Second practice, practice gentleness with others. Practice gentleness with others. Let your gentleness be evident to all. We've kind of lost that in our culture today, haven't we? There's not a lot of gentleness. I took a picture of a sign that was at a drive up this week. I tried to show it to Jim a few minutes ago and I, I must have deleted it somehow. So I can't quote exactly what it said, but I can get you close enough. Uh, it began saying, the world has a shortage of help. Please be kind to those who showed up today. And 
that speaks our days and our times. We're being so cruel. I'm going to use that word, cruel with each other, impatient with each other, saying such unkind things to each other. And Paul reminds the Philippian church, and thereby the Holy Spirit is reminding us to be gentle with others. If you want to have peace in your life, Demonstrate a little peace to others by being gentle with them. Most of you know we have a new puppy at our house. And uh, it, it's an interesting journey always, uh, getting a new puppy adapted to things. And it, it's the main course of our conversation now between Linda and me and our conversations with everybody else. We're talking about our little puppy everywhere we go. Uh, last week our daughter came to see us and she brought her big puppy that stands about this high. Our little puppy's a, a four pound, little teeny tiny thing. And it was interesting to watch the interaction between those two dogs. That great big grand puppy would put up with the little yapper nipping at her legs and biting her ears until finally she would just have too much and maybe she'd offer a bark and our little pup would go running and then he would sneak back keep doing the same thing. But, but Lily, that's the big dog, our daughter's dog, Lily finally got to the place where she just had enough. She could have picked him up and tossed him all the way across the room, but she didn't. She would just take her head, and her head is the size of the whole dog, the puppy, and she would just gently push him until he tumbled over, and then she would put her paw on top of him. Gentleness. Gentleness. If you were to look over the last week and all of your interactions with others, would gentleness be the hallmark of how you treated people? Well, I think we could help our world a whole lot if we would just learn to live consistently this little teaching of Paul, put it in our life, and to let our gentleness, our gentleness be evident to all. Now that may mean that you need to understand yourself a little better and how you respond to others. You know, I, I know my personality style. Fortunately for all of you, only 3% of the world has my personality style. I'm just being serious. It's only 3% of us behave the way I do. And I've been taking this personality assessment for the better part of the last 30 years. I'll take it every now and then. And over the years, it changes the report, not me, but how the report is worded. And I remember one of the versions I took a long time ago and it was a descriptor to help others so they could read it and understand me better. And the descriptor said, he doesn't mean to be mean. <laughs> and what it, what it was saying was, I just have a personality type that 
if I'm not aware, paying attention, I get too much in the directing, telling people what to do all the time. And people don't like that. People don't like it. And so I have to, I have to modify my behavior so that I'm gentle. I have to work on it. My, my kids know that if we have a conversation, I'm going to end up telling them something they should do. After 40 years, they've learned how to ignore dad. But we, we have to be, have some awareness of how we engage with other people. That's called emotional intelligence, by the way. There has to be some emotional intelligence to understand, how am I treating this person in this moment? Am I being gentle toward this person? If we want to have peace, peace in here and peace out here, we need to live with a spirit of gentleness. And I think it's, the, it's a gentleness that really only comes by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in us. You see, the Holy Spirit has spent 65 years now teaching me, sometimes I've, well, not 65, but 55 at least, teaching me how to tame what God wired me to be for good, but also how to express that properly. And the same is for you. There are aspects of who you are that at times maybe in your natural self wouldn't be gentle. Now that's not all of you. Some of you in this room are so gentle you would never think of even doing something that, that wouldn't come across as gentle. Thank God for you. But how's your gentleness? Are you practicing gentleness with others? Grandma and Grandpa, when you have to correct the kids, the little ones, are you doing it with a spirit of gentleness? You don't have to tell us the answer to that, just asking a question. Third practice. Give your anxiety to God. Give it to God. What worries are, or what, what ruins our peace more than anything? Well, it's the worries and cares of the world. It's the anxiety we have when we encounter problems and challenges, difficulties, and, and we just worry about them. Give them to God. My cousin Tim called me about a month ago. Uh, five or six years ago, Tim had a, a rather large tumor removed from his kidney. Actually, they had to take his whole kidney. And uh, he was in remission. But now the cancer has shown back up again. And he called to let me know about that. Or actually, I called him. I heard it through the grapevine. I called him, let me get my story straight. And he said, you know, 
I'm not worried about it. I, I, why worry about what might be? I'm just going to take it a step at a time, day by day. We're going to find out what the treatment plan is, and there's no reason for me to think that I won't be better in time. I thought, wow, what a great attitude to have. To the best of my knowledge, Tim isn't a Christian, but in that moment I felt like he was living like one. Trusting, believing, and thanking me that I'm praying for him and others are as well. Give your anxieties to God. He'll carry them. There's nothing too heavy that you can't hand to him. Nothing. And in the midst of that handoff, he doesn't leave your hand empty when you give him your anxiety. He replaces it with his peace. But you have to make the handoff. You have to offer it to him. And you have to give it open-handed and let it go. No string that you can pull it back. You can stew on it some more and worry about it some more. I think that's where the next practice is helpful. It's changed the script running through your mind. Paul talks about that with the words, whatever is true, noble, right, pure. Think on these things. The excellent, the praiseworthy. Think on these things. You want more peace in your life? Quit filling your mind with the things that rob you of peace. Fill it instead with the good things. The wonderful things. Mm. I'll stop at that. But change the script running through your mind. If you find you don't have peace, start examining your thoughts and release the ones that aren't helpful to keep you at peace and find some better thoughts. Noble, true, excellent, praiseworthy. Then here's, here's one I think is really important. Practice the actions of mentors who are able to live at peace. Who is it in your life that just seems, no matter what's going on out there, they're at peace? Who is that? And start watching them. Not in an awkward way. <laughs> Not in a stalking way. But, but try to figure out why they're able to do that. Maybe even ask them about it. Let them share some of the insights they've learned across time that help them to stay at peace. See, that's what Paul was saying when he said, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Boy, we all need people in our lives who've gone before us and can show us the way. All of us. So who in your life has gone before you that is able to just remain calm, steady, peaceful in the midst of storms? 
and follow their example. Look for them. You know, most of us, while, while we probably wouldn't think of it this way, most of us have our own personal heroes of the faith that have taught us much. And a lot of time, those heroes are, are people that they, didn't, they don't even know they taught us anything. We just watched and observed and learned from them as we saw their life, saw them in action. So who, who are those people that you can look to? Now, let's look at the other side of that. Most of us in this room have been Christians a long, long time. And if that's true, which it is, then this ability to live at peace in the midst of storms is something that, that we should be farther down the road than a lot of other people are. And if that's true, then let's work at helping others to learn how to live at peace. Now, remember, do it gently, not with my preferred style of saying, hey, do this. <laughs> do it gently. But be a mentor. Help others. Show them the way of faith. Even have the boldness to talk to them, not in a, not in a I'm better than you kind of way, but in a helpful way, an encouraging way to share your story of how you made it through hard times. Because there are people that need to know what you've learned from Jesus. And you can help. And I think if we can learn those five practices and really live them out, we can find that living with the fruit of God's character in our life, the fruit of peace, will become a strength for us. Long ago, a man sought the perfect picture of peace. Not finding one that satisfied, he announced a contest to produce a masterpiece. The challenge stirred the imagination of a lot of artists, and paintings arrived far and wide, many different places. Finally, the day came when the show opened and he displayed all of these paintings of uh, peaceful scenes. Viewers clapped and cheered and picked out their favorites. But finally, there came only two pictures that remain veiled that the judges, the person who commissioned the, the contest, began to say, these may be best exemplify what, what I'm looking for. The first one he uncovered and it showed a mirror smooth lake reflected with lacy green birches under the soft blush of an evening sky. And along the grassy shore, a flock of sheep grazed undisturbed. And everybody when they saw it thought, surely this is the winner. What a peaceful scene. But then the last picture was uncovered. And the crowd kind of gasped in surprise and said, surely this isn't peace. 
It, it was a tumultuous waterfall with all of the energy and the power of, of a waterfall and the mist and spray flowing everywhere. There were gray storm clouds and, and a bolt of lightning across the sky and the wind and the rain. You could just see it captured in the painting that had been given. And when they looked at it in that first glance, they thought, this isn't peace. But then they looked more closely. Right in the middle of that waterfall, there was kind of a split in the rock and it protruded, protruded a little farther and the water went around it. And right on that rock, and there was a little outcropping of greenery growing, there was a little bird nest. And one of the little birds was sitting on the nest of eggs and just not a care in the world other than incubating the eggs in the nest. Content and undisturbed in the stormy surroundings, that little bird rested on her eggs. With her eyes closed and her wings ready to cover those little ones, she manifested peace that transcends all earthly turmoil. I think that's a picture of what God does for us. He doesn't remove us from the turmoil. He doesn't necessarily take away the disturbance, the problem. But in the midst of it, he gives us the oasis of peace that he puts way down deep in our soul. The presence of his spirit to help us live at peace. Do you have that peace today? Do you want it? All that's required is to ask the spirit to come and he will come and he will give you peace. Open your hand, let go of the anxieties and receive the grace of peace that God wishes to give you today.